Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are going to be looking at one of the most popular passages in the whole Bible. In fact, it has been my life verse, and by life verse I just mean that there's a particular section of scripture that has been extremely important to me through much of my life. And many of you also perhaps have a life verse, that there's one Bible passage more than the rest of them that kind of stand out in your life. And this has been one that has kind of been in front of my eyes, kind of like Deuteronomy says, write them on your forehead and upon your heart and upon your doorway. In fact, if you're in my house, you'll, you'll see a large uh, painting. It's really not a painting. It's hard to describe exactly what it is, but it has those words on it. In my office, you'll also see that in a small flat. But you see the words up there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I just think, when I first saw that, it just like, what a great verse. What a great promise that God will keep your paths straight. But I need to remind you of something, that of the 7,000 or so promises that there are in the Bible, every promise has a premise. Every promise has a premise. The promise is he'll make your path straight. The premise is what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And then here comes the promise. Now, if you have never memorized this verse, guess what, folks? I think it's time for you to do so. I think it can have major impact on your life. Now, we are in the third week of our series in Proverbs, Get Smart. It's about getting it together, and it's our life, getting our life together and keeping it together, a process that really encompasses a whole lot of stuff. I'm going to backtrack a little bit to week one, because we said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want you to understand from the get-go that what we talked about last week, the week before, and this week is really not possible for you to do if you don't have godly wisdom. It is not possible for you to have godly wisdom without what? The fear of the Lord, which means that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, guess what? The fear of the Lord is not with you. And if the fear of the Lord is not with you, I don't know where you get godly wisdom. You're probably getting ungodly wisdom. We're not about stinking thinking. We're about right thinking, which comes from a relationship that is ours through Jesus Christ. So I, I'm speaking today really to Christ followers. But I'm going to tell you that if there are any of you that are here today who are not Christ followers, who are not Christians, well, the Bible says today could be basically the first day of your life. Today is the day of your salvation. Never too late, never too early to say, God, I am a sinner, and I pray for your forgiveness, and I want to receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Never too early or too late to do that. Maybe 
Maybe today some of you will be convinced of that. I don't know. I make no assumptions that all of you that are here today are Christian. I stopped doing that a long time ago. Sitting here in church no more makes you a Christian than sitting at McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Stand in your garage all day and you will never become a Kia Amante. That would be the car I drive. It has to do with the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, with all of that being said, we want to stay today. We want to trust God. You're going to see on the next screen a little picture of money. We say, in God we trust. You see it on our coins. I told you from about the 1860s on, this has happened. On our dollar bills, it says, in all of our paper money, in God we trust. But I sometimes wonder, do we really? Or is God something we trust in only when things get difficult? Do we only trust God when it's out of control completely? Kind of like the man who came to me one time and described his problem. And after we talked for a while, I said, have you, have you prayed about this? He said, Pastor, has it come to that? <laughs> or the man who came to me says, Pastor, I've tried everything else, so I'm here to talk to you. You know, my life is going downhill fast. I better get to church and talk to God. Do we really trust in God? You see, friends, if we want to get it together, or if some of you have gotten it together and now you're trying to figure out how to keep it together, there's only one way to pull it off. Godly wisdom enables you to learn to trust in God. And the only way that you can make sure your lives work out the way that you're supposed to is by trusting God at every level. I'm not going to just say blanket trust in God, but trust in God at every level. And today we're going to look at these verses and, and that teach us when and how to put our trust in God three times that I think it's most important for us to trust in God. Here's the very first one. If you need to trust God when things happen that you don't understand. Verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Let me focus on two words very quickly. Trust and lean. What does it mean to trust in God with all your heart? Trust in the Bible means Put your full weight on and let something else hold you. Okay? I've often said that if all the people who've ever heard a sermon were laid end to end, they'd be a whole lot more comfortable. Think about that. Let me give you an example of what it means to trust. Oh, feels so good. I feel like a regular member. <laughs> now if the pastor would just stop talking for a while, I could get some sleep. But see, I am fully resting on this pew. All of me, all of my weight is being fully supported by this. I was not 
floating in midair. We could have put a mirror up here. You could have come up and watched. But I was fully stretched out. When I say trust in God, I am saying that I allow God to bear my full weight. But it says, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. You may not believe this, but on Sunday mornings when I practice my sermon, I always have this in my hand. And I, I, in my office, and I'm going through my sermon, you'll often see me like this, if you can watch. I'm leaning on this staff. Now, it's not bearing my full weight. I don't know that this could, unless it was made out of steel. And even then, Courtney's thinking, yeah, but he could probably bend it. That's his way. Is that what you were thinking? Okay, good. I hope not. <laughs> to lean on something is to kind of have partial support. Now, what's the difference then between trusting and leaning? Well, trusting, you put your full weight on something, and God says that's what you should do, put your whole weight on me, when what do we do? We have something man-made that we just kind of lean on and hope it will hold us up in difficult times. There's a self-help book out that I read a couple of years ago because I'm a I'm a, a sports fan, baseball fan. I, I bought it. It's not a particularly good book, but it was called When Life Throws You a Curveball, Hit It. When Life Throws You a Curveball, Hit It. It's simple advice, but it's easier said than done. Believe me, as someone who played baseball a lot in grade school and high school and college. The problem is some people don't hit curveballs very well. But I also know that some people don't hit fastballs or sliders or sinkers or knuckleballs very well either. And when life throws you a curveball, more than likely you are going to swing and miss if you are leaning instead of trusting. And that, if your life is anything like mine, very seldom does life say, okay, I'm going to float a big one up there right in front of you to knock out of the ballpark. Curveballs keep coming. I know that when I played baseball, if somebody could get me out on the curveball, guess what I was going to see the rest of the game? A curveball. Life does that to us. And there's nothing you or anybody else can do to change that. But the good news here is that Solomon in the book of Proverbs says that when life gives you that unexpected twist, that unexpected turn, when the knuckleball of life comes fluttering in, you don't need to understand everything. In fact, the worst thing you can do, Solomon says, when things, when life throws you a curveball, is to do what? Lean on your own understanding. Now, I'm not going to get down there again. But you know what I'm saying. Trust on God. To fully lay yourself out on the arms of God. See, when things happen that you don't understand, that's when you need to put your trust in God. You know, you put your full weight on it and allow Him to support you. You can say, God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life. I don't understand how that divorce happened. I don't understand the business failure. I, I don't understand why my friendship not only went sour, but it then went south. I don't understand why I'm having health problems, 
but I know that you know what's going on, and therefore I'm going to place my trust in you, and I'm going to stop doing what? Leaning on my own understanding. Now let me give you a negative example of this. This is something that Abraham did not do. In fact, he did not do it really good. Uh, maybe you remember the story at a time when Abraham was in his 90s, he was childless. His wife was in her 90s too. God told Abraham, though, that he would be a father of a great nation. He says in Genesis chapter 12, through you all the nations of this world will be blessed. Now, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was well beyond childbearing years. And so both of them could not imagine how God could possibly keep this promise. So Abraham and Sarah decided to do what? To lean on their own understanding. And so the Bible says that Sarah came to Abraham and said, let me pick out one of my servants with you, and she can be the surrogate mother. I was reading this story again the other day, and I got to tell you, this is purely speculation. This did not fall off a of Mount Sinai. This is just me talking right now. But I wonder if Sarah was involved in choosing Hagar, if Hagar might not have been the best-looking woman. I just say that based on what little I know about women, but I digress. Okay, let's go back to Mount Sinai, okay? Well, they decide to lean on their own understanding. And guess what? Abraham goes in and he fathers a child with Hagar. And they named the little baby Ishmael. And when Ishmael was born, God came and, and sort of said in effect, Congratulations, Abraham, on the birth of your son. But he's not the one I had in mind. Your wife, Sarah, still will give birth to a baby, and his name will be Isaac. Abraham and Sarah thought they had everything figured out, but their understanding was far more limited than God's understanding. God had a plan greater than anything they could have ever imagined. They didn't put their trust in God. Instead, they leaned on their own plan because they were not focused at all on God's plan. Well, we know that everything kind of was disastrous from the get-go. Next thing you know, Hagar's running around, look, I got a baby, look, I got a baby. And the Bible says Sarah got cranky. And the next thing you know, they're battling out in the tents, and Hagar is forced out with her baby Ishmael. They moved to a foreign land. And guess what? The sons of Ishmael became the Arabs. And the sons of Isaac became the Jews. And those two groups of people, the Arabs and the Jews, have virtually been in battle ever since. See, things may be happening in your life right now that you don't understand, but you know, you don't have to understand. All you need to do is trust. For example, maybe, maybe you know that God has promised to bless your life, and maybe you don't understand right now how he could possibly take everything you've ever done in life and turn it into a blessing. You may not understand that yet, but God does. God has promised all of us that he's going to use us in some way to his glory, and maybe you say, I don't know how that's possible considering the mess that I've made of my life. But friends, you don't have to understand it. 
You just need to trust that what God says is true. Now, I don't know if you do much flying. I, I fly from time to time, and you know, as I do some consultation work or mission trips or speak different places. I don't know, have you ever tried to figure out how a pilot sees where he's going at night? I mean, I've actually looked at airplanes up close. There are no headlights on that thing. <laughs> how do they see where they're going? Well, the answer is they really don't see where they're going. They have this whole panel full of gauges and instruments that tell them where they're going and what they need to know in order to get where they want to be. Now, those gauges are a thousand times more reliable than the pilot's own sense of direction. Now, for example, when I fly from Dallas to Seattle and I'm crossing the Rocky Mountains in the middle of the night, I don't want a pilot who says, I think the mountains are over there on my left, so I'm going to steer the plane over to the right. Don't want somebody like that. I want somebody whose eyes are glued on the instrument panel. Now, it's the same way in trusting God. You don't have to be able to parse out every little event in your life. All you need to do is trust in the person whose eyes are already on the instrument panel, who already knows where you're going and how you're going to get there. Your own sense of understanding. This nonsense of leaning on your own understanding will not get you through life. But trusting in God, with your whole support on Him, will. Here's the second thing. You need to trust God when you're faced with a, with a decision. And I probably should have put in there, with any decision, every decision. I probably don't have to convince you that it's a pretty good idea to seek God's guidance when you're making a major decision. For example, changing careers. That's a pretty big decision. Moving to a new town. Pretty big decision. Getting married, although you'd be surprised how many people never talk to God about that. I mean, they're so in, lust with, so in love with each other. I think I was right the first time. So in lust with each other. But you know, it's not just the big decisions that we ought to turn to God for. We need to turn it to Him in every decision we make. That's what verse 6 says. In what? Some of your ways acknowledge Him. Now, all of your ways... That means your marriage, that means your dating life, that means your family life, that means your career, that means your personal life, that means your finances. In all areas of life, God's input needs to play a major role. Not just a role, but a major role. That's because leaving God out of one area of your life will throw other areas of your life completely out of whack. For example, I think most of you probably know somebody where that's happened. You know, they they have this great, they're very sincere in their desire to serve Lord and to have, serve the Lord and have a great family life, but their finances are an absolute mess. See, in school, if you get eight out of ten answers correct, you'll pass the class. If you're a salesman and you close eight out of every ten calls, you'll be very successful. But when it comes to trusting God with your life, 8 out of 10 is not good enough. It says 10 out of 10 is what's asked for. See, the way that you manage every area of your life 
comes down to the decisions that you and I make. I know, for example, that there are some people who would claim to be good, solid Christians who have absolutely no sense when it comes to what movies they attend. They think that they can praise God on a Sunday morning and then walk into R-rated movies where people are cutting and slashing and adultering and fornicating and you name the whole thing and just count it as entertaining. What kind of decisions do you make and how does God fit in? I mean, how much time do you spend at work? How much time do you spend at home? How much money do you spend on entertainment? How much money do you put away for retirement? How much money do you give to church? What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of movies do you watch? What kind of TV is on your screen? What kind of books do you read? What do you allow your children to do or not to do? See, it all comes down to decisions, and the question is, who are you asking for help in making those decisions? In all of your decisions, it says you need to acknowledge God. And by the way, that word acknowledge means to see God. In all your ways, you need to see God somewhere in that decision. You need to recognize God for who he is and what God can do in that particular path. Making a decision the way God wants you to make it is nothing more than doing what? Trusting God. Making a decision on your own is what? It's leaning on your own understanding. It's saying, God, this is not my natural inclination. It's not an easy choice, but it's right. It's not what you want, but I'm going to do it your way. It's saying, make God a part of all of the decisions you make. And don't be sitting there and say, God, what, I need to have God to be a part of this? Why not? What are you hiding? I mean, you don't think God's interested in all aspects of your life? If you don't think God is interested in all aspects of your life, friend, then back the wagon up and see whether the fear of the Lord is in you. See if you really are that person you claim to be. And I'm not saying this is easy. We all struggle with it. But to make God a part of your entire life and not just a part. Here's the third thing. You need to trust God when the future seems uncertain. It says he will make your path straight. Now, I don't know what you think about when you look at the future. But some of you, I think, when you're looking at the future, don't really see a straight path. You have more of a kind of a steep, rocky, winding road that's cluttered with all kinds of garbage, maybe the debris of your past. And for some of you, your journey into the future isn't like walking in the sunshine. It's like more like stumbling in the fog. For some of you... The future doesn't seem really bright. For some of you, it seems very drab and dreary. Well, that's the time when you need to trust God. If the future seems uncertain, guess what? God can handle uncertainty. He can make your path straight. Now, I've got to tell you something. This does not mean that God will make your life easy. Don't walk away and say, hey, if I trust in the Lord with all my heart, I don't think I'm going to say, God's going to make my life easy. That's not what it means at all. Don't even begin to think that. God doesn't promise you, like they say, a rose garden. But it does mean that God will give you purpose. God will give you a direction. You will know where you're going, and you'll know why you're going there. God makes your path straight by giving you a sense of identity. 
that a couple of meetings of Bible study in Springfield, Illinois on uh, Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And the guy who did an icebreaker did this icebreaker that I always hate. And he says, okay, who are you? And everybody goes around the table and they say, well, you know, I'm John Smith or Bob Brown or whatever. And the guy says, no, I want to know who are you. Well, then you start going around and says, okay, I'm a, I'm a husband or I'm a wife or I'm a pastor or I'm this or I'm that. We all begin to talk about our identity. And his point at the end was that that's all well and good. We do need to understand who we are. I mean, I can tell you that, for example, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a pastor, I'm also a missionary. I can go on and I get a whole long list of things that I am. I'm a, a fan of sports, or I, 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 love, I love to eat this kind of ice cream, or, or whatever. God's made us that kind of multifaceted kind of people, but we need to see ourselves as something more than that. Each of those roles is significant, and each one has a special purpose, but we need to see all of those together as one person who's living a life for the glory of God, for some greater good. I cannot separate the fact of being a Christian from being a husband. It just doesn't work. I can't say that I'm a Christian and then treat my wife like a second-class citizen. I can't say I'm a pastor and treat my kids like, like, a, like a chunk of property. You know, I, I can't call myself a Christian and then walk into a classroom at school and act like a complete jerk. It's not meant to work that way. I mean, I can't call myself a Christ follower and just say, I work out of the four stage fair and I treat every customer as It just doesn't work that way. I can't call myself a Christ follower and separate it from my relationships and gossip and talk about everybody else behind their back. It just doesn't, it's not meant to work that way. Everything is all together for one purpose. If I go to Toastmasters, John, with you, I cannot separate out the fact that I'm a Christian or a pastor. The fact that I'm a pastor influences that. The fact that I'm a Christian influences it. The fact that I'm a dad or a grandpa or whatever influences it. You get the general idea that God's made you to be a whole person. He wants to give you a purpose and he wants to give you a direction to go. You say, God, you know more about my life than I do. I'm going to follow your direction. I was at a conference a few years ago and one of these guys that was speaking told us about his first skydiving experience. Anybody here ever been skydiving? I signed up for a class once when I lived in Hong Kong, but my instructor broke his leg during a jump before, and so I took my name off the list. Uh, but this guy was talking to us about his first skydiving experience, and as he stood in the plane door, ready to jump, he turned around and said to his instructor, can you trust this chute to open? And his instructor says, there's only one way to find out. See, it's kind of the same way with trusting God. There's only one way to find out whether this really works. You gotta jump first. It's a leap of faith, even if it's just a little bitty leap of faith. 
And the reason we can make our little itty bitty leap of faith or our gigantic leap of faith is because hundreds upon thousands upon millions of people have done it ahead of us and God never ever failed them. But see, what do we want to do? We want to hedge our bets. And we got it all figured out. We don't need anybody to tell us what to do. A couple of years ago, I'd spoken at a conference in Los Angeles. And I was taking my rental car back to LAX to the rental place. It was getting late afternoon. It was getting a little bit dark. I did not, I, I'll tell you, I don't know the neighborhoods real well around Los Angeles International Airport, but I could tell you I was not in the best part of LA. In fact, it kind of seems like the kind of neighborhood that if the cops would stop you and ask if you had a gun, if you didn't, they'd give you one. Now, I thought I knew where I was going, but when I got to where I thought I knew I was going, there was nothing there. My first thought was someone stole the Avis dealership or whatever it was, but as it turned out, no one had moved the building. I was lost in L.A. Well, what do you do when you're lost? Well, you drive around a little bit more. And I went a couple of blocks north, then I went to a couple of blocks south, thinking that I'd eventually, because like every once in a while I'll see an airplane go over. Finally, I gotta tell you, finally, in a moment of absolute desperation, I did something that goes against every grain of every fiber of my masculine being. And I stopped and I asked for directions. And within the space of five minutes, I was exactly where I was supposed to be, and it made me wonder why so many people, men, don't do this more often. See, when it comes to your life, getting it together, keeping it together, you can follow one of two strategies. You can either wander around lost in Los Angeles, trying to figure out how to get where you don't know where you're going, or you can follow instruction. And guess what? You don't need to know all the details about how all things work out. You only just need to know that all things work out for the good of them that are what? Christ followers to begin with. You only need to follow the directions God has already given you. And what are those directions? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And guess what? He'll make your path straight. What a great deal, huh? May God bless us to stay on the right path. It's time to pray.